Lisa this week, and I've struggled for numerous reasons. And um, because, in one sense, there's so much in it. And uh, I knew that uh, we would have limited time because there's a sense in which I knew that God wanted to do something. And I believe God's been doing something. He's been doing so much in the last three, three quarters of an hour and it's just tremendous to be in his presence. And so part of the struggle has been to focus in in terms of what I believe that God might want to be saying to us in this creating community together series and this whole question of accepting one another as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. It's a verse that comes in Romans 15 and verse 7. And uh, it's a verse that we, so we can pick up and it's a verse that we can quote so uh, readily. I don't know what acceptance means to you or what your experience of acceptance has been. It was a very nondescript building in fact, it was an ordinary church hall hidden behind the church. But as we approached it, there was groups of people chatting. There were groups of people talking. Some were smoking. Some were eating. Some were laughing. Some were just talking. But as we walked down the pathway, we'd been invited to this event as we walked down this path, everyone stopped and said, hello, how are you? Are you all right? And I don't think there was one person that we passed, and there must have been about 30 or 40 people just on the path there into this building who didn't stop and say, hello, who are you? Nice to see you. Welcome. And we moved into the building and there must have been another sort of 30 or 40 people there milling around, talking. And again, as you walk past them, they welcomed you. They said, hello. How's your week been? What's going on for you? Are you all right? Just simple questions. That's what they were asking. Then it became apparent that things were beginning to happen and things were beginning to draw together. And uh, suddenly somebody says, oh, have you seen so-and-so? And somebody else said, oh, yes, they're away this weekend. They've gone to visit family. And then somebody said, what about so-and-so? Oh, I'm not seeing him. I'll give them a ring and see where they are. And that went on for about five or ten, ten minutes until the person drew things together. Then there was readings, yes, there was testimonies, there were stories, there were people coming together and there was brokenness, there was tears, there was laughter, there was hugs, there was uh, honesty, there was openness. It was an AA meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. We went with a family because we were supporting somebody there. We went with a family and this person turned to me and said, and I knew their background, they said, um, they're not Christians. Is this what church is like? 
And I said, I have to say no, sadly. Because she said, if it was, I might be interested. I might be interested. In that group of people, and there must have been 80 or 90 people, there were those who drove BMX, uh, BMX, (laughs) BMW cars. There were those who worked in the financial districts. There were those who lived on the streets and everybody in between. There were young people, there were older people. There were just as many females as there were males. And there came one thing that came together was their dependence on alcohol or their previous dependence on alcohol and their support for one another, their acceptance of one another. Someone got up and talked about actually how they'd tripped that week, how they had stumbled. And immediately it just struck me that half a dozen people just went and embraced them, went and hugged them, I went and drew them back into. There was no judgment. There was acceptance. There was love. There was forgiveness. What does acceptance mean to you? What does it look like to accept one another? It's that. Accept one another. Now, Uh, This isn't working. I always find that annoying when that happens. Can you push it on, please? Okay. And uh, what what does it mean to you? We're following this series, in a sense, creating community together. And just to fill you in on the picture, because I've been ill, uh, we're actually sort of... uh, trying to catch up. Now, next week, David, David Morton will be leading and will be speaking about the importance of unity because I'm away next week. The following week, Derek Tidbold will be here and he will be speaking about the question of encouraging one another and how we encourage one another. But accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God very easy just to lift this passage and I have to acknowledge that when I came to it I'd got in my head accept one another just then as Christ has accepted you full stop but it isn't in order to bring praise to God now I I guess that probably we're all of that, that we think that actually that's what we've been doing for the last three quarters of an hour, bringing praise to God. But praise is so much more than actually lifting our hands, opening our mouths, singing our songs. Paul is here equating praise to God in terms of the behaviour that we exhibit and the way in which we accept one another that the way in which we accept one another brings praise to God. What is it that Jesus speaks about? He speaks about 
love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men, all people, know that you are my disciples. There's a consequence to it. But in this verse, okay, there's a challenge of acceptance, or you could say there's the call to acceptance. Accept one another. That Paul is giving us, you know, it's not something, well, you might be able to do this, you might, you might do this or you might not, it's just up to you. He's saying accept one another. That's it. End of story. Then he's saying, he's giving you the example of acceptance. Accept us, one another, as Jesus Christ has accepted you. And he speaks about then the fruit of acceptance in order that we might bring praise to God. Now, I don't want to say too much about that. I've already spoken about that, the the fruit of acceptance. But think for a moment about the example of acceptance. Paul gives us the standard by which we should accept one another. Thank you. He gives us the standard by which we should accept one another. And that standard is Jesus. That standard is Jesus. How did Jesus accept you? How did Jesus accept you? Let me suggest three ways. He did it sovereignly. One of the most incredible verses in the whole of Scripture. For he chose us in him, that is Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us sovereignly. The psalmist in Psalm 139 talks about that God was there right at our conception. That he knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. And Paul reminds us that he chose us. Chose us from before the creation of the world. He did it sovereignly. He did it sacrificially. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. At the end of the day, what did God do for us? What does God do for each and every one of us? He did for us what we could not do ourselves. That's what God has done for us. He did for us that which we could not do ourselves. And his acceptance, he came down to our level. He came down to where we are or where we were. He came down into the pit. He left the glory of heaven and entered this world. Why? In search of me, in search of you. In search of each and every one of us. And he shared in our mess. And not only in our mess but he cleared up our mess. He cleared up our mess. That's what he did. He did it sacrificially. 
at the ultimate cost of himself, his life. At the ultimate cost of his life. That's how much I mean to him. That's how much you mean to him. That's how, much he's, that's how far he's prepared to go to demonstrate that he accepts each and every one of us. He did it eternally. Not just for a moment, but he did it for all time. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefits you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only did he come and he accepted us, but then he's lifted us to the heights of his glory. Not just now, but for eternity, for all times, once and for all. A lot of things have been going on this morning, but again, one of those words that sort of sticks with me through this week has just simply been this, is that there are some of you this morning that are struggling, struggling to believe that God has accepted you. Struggling to believe that God has accepted you. And I want to say to you this morning, God accepts you. God accepts you. You think, oh, I've done this and I've done that. Well, God's dealt with that. God's cleared up the mess. God's cleared up the mess. What can we learn from that? This verse, very quickly, challenges us to acceptance. Paul uses a Greek word here that means to receive kindly or hospitably, (laughs) to treat with kindness, to treat with generosity. It's welcome in all its fullness. And in some translations, they use the word welcome. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you there. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. This is a summary statement of all that Paul has been teaching from the beginning of Romans chapter 14. At the beginning of chapter 14, he says, "Accept accept the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. And in a sense, the rest of chapter 14 and into 15 puts this phrase into context. Because chapter 15 and verse 7 is Paul's summary statement of all the teaching in that passage. He's saying, now accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. One of our tutors at Spurgeon's College always used to challenge us, and it is a good discipline for preachers. Can you put your sermon into one sentence? Can you put your sermon into one sentence? 
that people can go away with. And this is Paul putting his sermon into one sentence. The teaching of chapters 14 into 15. Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. It's a challenge because so often us preachers can't do it. There. But Paul here, through that passage, has been speaking about the weak and the strong. For Paul, a weak believer is one who hasn't fully grasped the extent of his or her freedom in Christ and whose conscience is therefore bothered by lifestyle choices and preferences that don't really matter in the long run. We had tremendous arguments in my youth about long hair. Long hair. And I was one of those who had shoulder-length hair. Yeah. But, you know, they were saying, oh, you shouldn't have that, you're a Christian. That's of the world. Just as you shouldn't go dancing, you shouldn't go drinking, you shouldn't go to the pictures, you shouldn't go to the theatre. Yes, I'm of that generation. But at the end of the day, does it matter? Are they the essentials? No, they're not. A strong brother or sister is one who can exercise their freedom in Christ with a clear conscience. With a clear conscience. That's what Paul is saying. Now, most of us struggle between two tendencies. We like to compare and we like to control others. They shouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't have thought they'd do that. Call them a Christian. We've all done it, haven't we? We can easily fall into thinking that the way we do things is the right way. Is the right way. That our interpretation is correct. And that those who differ from us must be wrong. Some of us go out of our way to try to control how others believe and think and behave, secretly judging them according to our spiritual standards. But Paul is saying, accept your brothers and sisters. And through chapter 14, there's a whole theme. <clears throat> we haven't got time to go in it, so I'm just going to whistle through it. He says, we do not pass judgments. Gosh, that hits us, doesn't it? Because we love to judge one another, don't we? We love to judge one another. But Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. One of the things that really struck me about that AA meeting was that nobody judged anybody else. Why? Because they knew they had been there. And they knew how easy it was to return there. And they knew their own battles and they knew their own demons that were going on. So therefore, because this person is coming and saying, yeah, I've messed up this week, they could put their arms around them and love them and not give them a lecture. Why? Because they knew 
that person was giving themselves a lecture and what they needed was somebody to put their arms around them and love them. Paul is also then encouraging us to commit to live for the Lord wholeheartedly. The only person's life that I can have any control over is my own. My own behaviour, how I live. And Paul speaks in this passage, for, for we all stand before God's judgment seat. Each of us will give an account, what? Of ourselves. I won't be called to give an account of Richard, and Richard won't be called to give an account of me. I will be called to give an account of myself and how I have accepted others, how I have loved others. So we commit to live for the Lord. If we live for the Lord, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die in the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord, Paul is saying in chapter 14, verse 8. There. Everything we seek to do for the Lord. We control our we control ourselves in love. Love is our guiding principle. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat or what you are doing, you are no longer acting in love. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because we sort of say, well, it's my right. I want to do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But saying if my brother or sister is distressed through what I'm doing, then I'm not acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother or sister for whom Christ died. And we could put lots of different things in that word, eating. Our behaviour has consequences. The word distressed has the idea of grieving when a loved one dies. But we also edify everyone. We build one another up. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Verse 19. We do all that we can to build one another up, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to be there for one another. Again, I go back to that meeting. Just how people were there. Now, I know a lot of that goes on behind the scenes here, that we are there for people. We are there for one another in the moments of need. But then finally, Paul is saying, we treat people as Jesus did. Each of us should please our neighbour for, the for their good to build them up. And, uh, you know, Jesus is our example. How did Jesus treat those who had fallen? How did Jesus treat those who were on the outskirts of society? How did Jesus come alongside them? by accepting them, by loving them, by putting his arms around them, by being available to them, by being there with them. 
And just finally, some words of Jesus, because it's always good to stop with Jesus. So in everything you do to others, sorry, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Can I say, and I think I speak for all of us, I'm desperate for you to accept me. And everybody else in this room is desperate for everybody else in this room to accept them. Not to judge them, but just to accept them and to love them. And you see, if I'm wanting you to accept me, then I need to be big enough to accept you. Even if there are things that some of you do that I don't like, even if there are things that some of you do that rile me and I think are positively wrong, even if there are some things here within this group you know, that I struggle with, I'm called to accept you. Because it's not my task to judge you. That's the Holy Spirit. What was it last week? We were looking at community, that we were created for community, we were redeemed for community, we're transformed in community. And how is that done? That is done through the agent of the Holy Spirit, via the tool of God's word, within the context of God, of, of community. If we're going to build community, there needs to be that sense of acceptance, even in the midst of our differences. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, you've spoken in many different ways and you've spoken in so many powerful ways this morning. I pray that each and every one of us will be able to take away that which you have for us today. And Father, that we would learn what it is to accept one another just as you have accepted us. We're bowled over by the way that you've accepted us. We're absolutely gobsmacked by the way that you've accepted us. And Lord, now we pray that we might be able to live that out in our own lives as we accept one another just as you have accepted us so that ultimately we can bring praise to you, our Heavenly Father. Amen. I know it's, time's moved on, but it would be good just to conclude in worship. I'm going to leave that with, in John's hands as to how we, we do that. But just to say that at the conclusion of our service, there will be the prayer team over in the corner.